Welcome to the June 23rd edition of the PFF Forecast. We've got a very good show today. We're actually recording it a day early. We were inspired. We There were some comments that came out about Bill Belichick, what he said. We're going to talk about it uh, right here. We want to do this pod well. It was fresh in our minds. We're also going to do more player props, some season-long player props, continuation of what we discussed uh, on Sunday. And of course, recommendations. Let's rock. I I have to look, I have to play by the rules I set, Eric. I give you a hard time for appearance. And I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. You are kicking my ass from an appearance standpoint right now. I have this horrible lighting. For some reason, the lighting in the apartment I'm at makes my skin look like I've been literally sunburned by the sun rays itself, like next to them. And, uh, and you, sir, crystal clear, well-dressed, hair done. I don't know what it is. Was it Father's Day? Was that what it was? I was inspired. Well, I mean, you just have to have the right equipment. I did not bring the right equipment to me. <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, when we when we went on uh, the trip here. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you're still good looking, George, as I said last time. Uh, but uh, at least today, I feel like you're just, you're just dealing with the remoteness of the whole thing. You're, you're the champion. And I, I'm, I'm going to credit to Father's Day. You know, it was, it's, a, it's a great day to realize that, um, you know, what you've done for this world is, is give it more great people. And I haven't done that. And I'm paying the price right now. I look like a complete loser. So, yeah, I mean, I would say the people are a stochastic process of greatness. You know, like I don't, my, I hope mine are two pluses, but yeah, uh, it, it's not always that way. But yeah, you're right. I have to ask though, because this is, um, what, what did you get for Father's Day? I, I got my daughter's painted two uh, uh, coffee mugs. One said PFF number one, mm-hmm. one said go Chiefs. And the other one like had sequences, like the, and the one had sequences on it and one had like a football net. So, yeah. I, I for a second there, thought it was saying go cheese and that instead of go, go Chiefs. And that would have been cool. A coffee mug. I've never goat eaten goat cheese thing. before. Yeah, you're not a cheese guy. I'm not a cheese guy. Yeah, I'm like somebody the other day was talking. Oh, it was at Ben's wedding. We're talking about mac and cheese being a side or or a, a main dish, and Ben said both, and I said neither. I feel uh, most people would side with Ben. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... I think that's more than fair. We'll we'll do a, a food podcast where we rank like foods we might we rank running backs on sunday and maybe we'll do maybe we'll spontaneously do a ranking here if we have some time but let's start with this bill belichick there is a quote that is circulating and i want to make sure i get this uh this quote right (laughs) um a guy by the name of d orlando ledbetter tweeted this out um, in relation to actually the Falcons, Falcons taking part in a GM forum. But the quote is about Bill Belichick and Andy Reid, and it reads, Bill Belichick and Andy Reid are not fans of analytics. Quote, I prefer good players, good fundamentals, and good execution, Belichick said. Now, this is then citing an article. In fairness, we read through the article, could not find that quote in the article. So I'm just throwing that out there. I don't really have great corroboration on this but let's kind of assume that this is what Bill Belichick said that Andy Reid agreed with him um I'll give you the floor first like what do you make of that well I I just think analytics is never like a shortcut right like analytics is not a a substitute for good players right like everybody looks at like Moneyball the movie and the book and you know the, the thing that the Oakland A's were doing was they were acquiring good players, right? They were just acquiring good players that no one else thought was thought mm. were good, right? Like that's a difference. And 
that's an important distinction. And, and you know, execution's another one. Like you still have to execute, but good players execute, right? Like it's not the, the it's not a substitute for these things. It's an enhancement. Like I, I like to think of of analytics, especially um, you know, especially when it comes to like you know building a football team and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 getting the most out of those those things, right? It's when you hit on a draft pick, you know. So it's like Josh Allen. It's like when you hit on Josh Allen or when Josh Allen comes around, you want to be able to squeeze out every last ounce of that value. And I think analytics helps you do that. And and like, I'll say this though, there are people who, and, and I've been one of them. I was on before Kevin was our colleague, he had a podcast called Thank You Sashi, where I like infamously or famously like said that the, that the Sony Michelle pick was like a, a head fake by Bill Belichick to, to sort of screw with the rest of the league. Like we, we assume Belichick uses this stuff. And I think if you change the, the time frame of what analytics is, I think Belichick's at what was ahead of the curve at one point now behind it. I mean, he's one of the worst coaches in the NFL right now at fourth down decisions. Like that can't be, you know, that's certainly part of this like sort of worldview that we're seeing, you know, uh, discussed in this, uh, in this piece. There, you hit on a bunch of good points. I think the mute, like the lack of mutual exclusivity between good players and analytics is, is comedic to me, you know, and to say I hear a lot of times like analytics is a tool. It's not the tool box or whatever the hell the phrase is, but like the meaning is like, it's something we use, but it's by no means the thing that, you know, trumps all things. Like we'll side with, you know, a scout's take over the analytics all the time. And th that's, I think the thing that is probably the biggest error here. It's not, you can use both things but you can't use the things that are just convenient. And I, I think that's the tricky thing with, with leveraging math is that oftentimes it's not the most comfortable thing to use, but, but if you trust you know, mathematics, which has a pretty good track record over time, like mm -hmm. that is giving you the edge to pick a good, a good player in a spot where most players are pit, who are picked are not very good. You know, it's like those little edges that you are referring to with, you know, taking advantage of when you have a chance to select those players um, and, and making decisions like a fourth down decision where it maybe doesn't make you feel great, but you're trusting the process, which I know is not a popular thing to do after Ben Simmons, the process literally forgot how to shoot on national television over the course of seven games, which was amazing. Um, but here's the other thing that forgot to shoot. I feel well, and forgot how to shoot free throws, which is yes. crazy. Well, I think that they, they're correlated. Um, the, the thing that I found really interesting was um, that you know, if you're, if you're looking at Bill Belichick and you're going, should I take Bill Belichick's quotes as anything like that to me, that to me is the thing that I just can't get behind I, from a coach's perspective. Why in the hell would a coach ever be like, yeah, yeah, here's how I do things. You know, why would a GM ever do that? Like there's no benefit to them showing their hand, especially in a league where a lot of teams act super inefficient. Um, I, I, I know I'm rambling. I want to say one last thing about this, which is there's also an article that um, is from, I believe it's Pro Football Talk, which probably aggregated from somewhere um, that our friend Josh Hermsmeyer pointed out where um, it's talking about how the, the uh, Patriots are very in-house with the analytics that they use. And that they like famously like don't read other like Bill Belichick won't read analytics websites. I reject the notion that anyone we've met people on the Patriots, you know, who do a lot of really good math. Anyone that does math well is not is trying to go read as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that you would silo yourself in a fucking cave, like hoping not to hear what's going on outside lest you be, you know, uh, stained by the math of the outer world is banana land stupid. I, yeah. I think that, I think it's, it's, it's weird. And, and, you know, uh, we, we interact with a lot of people in the league and a, a lot of times I'll get messages saying like, Hey, get a load of this article, get a load of that one. 
I, I think that the, there are teams I'm not, you know, who have been trying to puff up their profile in the public, you know, sort of like all off season to sort of like, whether that be to like justify moves that they've made or to, you know, um, make the GM look smarter or whatever. But I, I can tell you like the, the truly intelligent teams are not flaunting it. Let, let's just say that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting though. Like if you were saying, you know, let's take the quote out of it, but if you just evaluated, and this is kind of interesting. So let's say you knew nothing about what the coaches have said, nothing about their, you know, persona, only data from their decision-making. Like what would, how would you rank the usage of math for these coaches? And that's where you get to, you look at something like fourth down decisions and you go like, this is 2021. Like that, that's, if that's not a conversation that involves math, then you are truly ancient. So given that, what you would assume is that coaches have that information and it's a pretty good barometer for, are you leveraging math? <laughs> you know, are you using the analytics as people call it? And so mm -hmm. I don't think really get around the fact that for a guy like Bill Belichick, it, either he doesn't care about winning games, which I think is probably false, or he goes the opposite way of math pretty frequently. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I think there's always this though. Like there's always in any field, there's always going to be that I value this, but mm -hmm. I, I, it's, it's only part of the conversation because my, thing that I do, whether that's gut feel or scouting or whatever is valuable, um, you know, is more valuable. And you see that you saw that with that quote, uh, or you, you've seen that before. I can't remember in the, this actual article, Reggie McKenzie, Miami's director of college scouting. Yeah. Um, he said he's never drafted a player based on analytics, but then they were helpful in the process. Like that's just a, I, that's just sort of putting analytics in its place. Right. And as sort of an outsider, um, uh, in, in the process. I mean, the fact of the matter is like, you know, using the combine information, using tracking data, all that kind of stuff is analytics. I don't know, you know, having a system in place that's famous, like the, you know, the, the Belichick Browns and then eventually the Patriots is also analytics. It's just like further, you know, past the cutting edge than what it was when they started it. So very yeah. interesting, um, very interesting, I, I think, discussion here. Uh, on the state of football in general, but obviously analytics as well. We're going to do um, a group, a roundtable discussion with our friends that we always bring in to have these conversations. Evan Silva, um, Josh Hermsmeyer, Kevin Cole. Um, we'll get them involved because they all have a lot of really interesting things to say. I know Evan and Josh are kind of like on opposite ends of the spectrum, re uh, Belichick and I kind of tend to side with um, with one of them. Um, and so I think it will make for a good conversation. Um, the, the interesting thing that you brought up that made me think uh, actually two thoughts. The first is a, a really good example of usage of math that is often just like derided publicly is the weather. And I like think of it kind of similarly. It's like, okay, the weatherman said this, but what does he know? He's always wrong. And it's like, okay, will you go outside and just like predict the weather and like hope you're right? You know, like, oh, it doesn't look like it's going to rain in four hours. Okay, you know, if that makes you feel better, fine. But like, there's a reason that math is used for this. And yeah, you might be, might remember the times you're wrong, but like, there's a reason. The second thing is when you're, you're talking about like the coach wanting to have that kind of, I bring something to the table. I think it's super valid and like if a coach was a part of building that algorithm right like if you were the coach and you have built algorithms if i'm the coach and i build algorithms that i have spent tireless hours pouring insight and thought and hard work into i'm going to be so much more comfortable to use that but i think in in many situations the coach feels probably so divorced from the system maybe not too unlike the common man when they look at the weather where they go, yeah, fuck it. You know, I'll make my, own yeah. Decision. And they don't even go back and look and see that the fact that the weather forecast is quite a bit, quite good. If you narrow the, the scope, 
Um, but yeah, yeah, such an yeah, that's a it's a very good way to look at it. I think honestly, I mean, it's also why like we, you know, there are the all these surveys out saying that like, you know, the the moment a driverless car kills somebody, like that's that's it, right? Like there, there's never gonna be, you know, like we we know that like humans are inherently messy and noisy, like, but we bake that into the cake in our understanding of the world if a machine or algorithm is going to replace us, they have to be perfect. And I think that's the same thing too, as far as like, you know, when you think about like uh, political parties and things like that as well, it's like, you know, like everybody will put up with the errors of the party that they're in. And, but like the moment somebody, like it was like Obama with the 57 States, right? Like he, every single time, you know, that was carried with him forever by certain people uh, and the, you know, the foibles of other people are sort of ignored. That's always going to be the case, right? So like with analytics, it's like analytics has to be perfect if it's going to usurp, uh, you know, the the judgments of humans, I guess. You're only getting rid of the um, self-driving car when it kills someone if the person who wrote the code was drunk when they wrote it. We'll have to go back and blood alcohol uh, sure. love, test them sure. <laughs> before we get to the props segment which i know you guys are all dying for um reminder that if you want to bet on props throughout the off season you should go to pff.com you should check out the projections that are live and are always updating based on any news that is happening um calvin ridley for example has soared to the top of the wide receiver projections after the Julio Jones news. Um, and you can then make some prop bets as they come available on your book based on those projections. We'll talk about some that we like here in just a second. Additionally, the best ball draft kit is also live on pff.com and you get those and the fantasy projections for just $40 for the whole freaking year with a PFF Edge subscription. It's a fantastic freaking deal. It takes you all the way through the season, obviously with the whole year and We'll get you the draft kit, uh, a draft guide, and all of those uh, draft season trinkets when that comes around. So go make sure you get that in time to uh, to leverage it for fantasy season because I got it. It's it's coming out. Um, the best ball draft kit is a part of that too. You should start playing best ball right now. If you know what's good for you, just head to pff.com and take advantage of all of that good stuff. If you want, by the way, a way to invest and get an edge subscription. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, a stock market for sports teams. You deposit 10 bucks at symbol.app slash PFF. Use promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. Plus $10 to go deposit on teams. Eric, someone has $10, they've just deposited it. Give me the teams that you're buying right now. Oh man. Um, Sixers? I'll say this, the Jets. Sixers? The Jets, the Jets. Okay. No Sixers, though. I like the Sixers, man. I just, I, I, they get a bad rap, but I mean, yeah. Their stock's tanking, so. Their stock's tanking, um, but yeah, you should be, uh, yeah, you you should you should go for the Jets here. Daryl Morey, he's too smart to let that happen. Go buy some Sixers. I can't believe I suggested that. All right, prop time. Let's get it. By the way, um, we're going to get into um, some player props here. If you are not a regular listener of the Ringer NFL show, you should go check out this uh, most recent episode. Uh, both you and I were on there. It was a blast. We did our favorite prop bets. Um, you heard many of those prop bets uh, on this Sunday, last Sunday's uh, episode, but there are some that were not on there. And Kevin and Nora both had some really interesting things. It was a great conversation. We did some special prop bets as well. Tim Tebow's on there. Justin Fields is on there. Um, so definitely go check that out. It was a, a really fun time. Both those, um, both Nora and Kevin are fantastic. And it's about time that we get them back on, on our podcast, actually. So look for that going forward. Um, do you want to start with passing yardage again and hit some of the ones we have not hit yet? Or where do you want to go? Uh I mean, I think we kind of, I, I think I've gone through like those ones that I like. I mean, what about, what do you think about, so we talked about this on, on their show, like what, talk about Julio again for me, like a thousand yards seems trivial for him if he plays all 17 games. Do we think that that's a, do we think that that's a, a monumental task for him? I, I don't. I'll give a couple of reasons why. 
Um, Julio Jones in Atlanta, think about the situations that they were in, okay? So let's let's go back to the Super Bowl. I think people have forgotten. Maybe maybe people should go watch the 28 to 3 Super Bowl again, not to see the ridiculous Edelman catch or the Dante Hightower strip sack or the Tom Brady pick six and then this the, what proceeded to be Tom Brady bringing them back. And watch it for some of the Falcons players because Julio Jones was fucking amazing in that game. Yep. And that game ended obviously in terrifying fashion for them. And ever since then, the Falcons have been basically mired in no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, it ain't going to work out. And when I see Julio Jones and it's not the injury thing is a last year thing, right? Like the not playing games part of it. Julio Jones plays in games, right? It's the I'm taking off an extra five snaps in this game or I'm coming out for this third down. And I look at it as kind of a war of attrition in Atlanta, where that Super Bowl took so much out of him. Julio Jones gave so much. He gave so much in, in successive years. And it, it wore on the number of snaps he was going to play. The second thing I'm going to mention is that Julio Jones was the physical freak on that Atlanta Falcons team in every season. So when you think about taking the hardest hits, getting all of the attention, being the guy that that offense ran literally through, it was Julio Jones. Those things don't have to be the case anymore. AJ Brown is a physical specimen. Derrick Henry is a physical specimen. Like the ability for Julio Jones to catch a like semi-open slant and not get like hounded did not exist in Atlanta. Calvin Ridley was great, but he's not AJ Brown from a physical perspective. I agree with you. For all those reasons, in addition to obviously the fact that Julio Jones is great, I think it's trivial. I think he plays all the games. It's a, He's on a mission. He's in a new spot. It's a rejuvenated will to play that I don't think they had in Atlanta the past few years. Yeah, I, I and I don't know if it's like every game, like if he plays all, all 17, but I do think it's a it, – it's a – you know, 14, 15 games gets him to a thousand yards as it has basically his entire career, right? Like that's, that's gotta be, I think the thought process that, that we're going through here. Um, I mean, tell me, tell me who, tell me who else they are throwing the ball to. I, I mean, you don't go out and get Julio Jones and then go, yeah, let's treat him like Johnny Smith. <laughs> as much as the Patriots fans want to believe they're in the same stratosphere. Yeah, John. Who's, well, and and the thing is, John who Smith. I mean, if we're looking at, um, you know, like we're looking at the Titans, it's going to be like a chain. Like that is the one leak, right? The Kendall Wright, Nate Washington, the fact that they haven't thrown the ball to to number, you know, to number two wide receivers that much. But you have to think that they changed the offense of Todd Downing as well. If you look at, yeah. uh, you know, sort of the 2017 Raiders, that was where Downing you know, sort of had his one chance to be an offensive coordinator. And, and, you know, that team wasn't particularly stacked, but you had, you know, 96 targets to Amari Cooper in 14 games, you had 101 targets to Michael Crabtree, um, 65 to Seth Roberts. So there's enough to go around there um, that I think, you know, obviously, you know, but, but man, that team sucked that 17. <laughs> anyway, um, do you think, do you think Julio Jones is getting more than hundred targets? I think they're both in that like 120 range. Yeah. yeah. If he gets more than hundred targets, he is getting a thousand yards. I mean, just go look at his career numbers. He has, yes, in the, in the targets, he has been 163, 203, 129, 148, 170, 157. And then last year, 68. Yeah. And he, he soared over a thousand. I mean, soared. Yeah. This Let guy me. is one of the best. I mean, he is one of the best receivers that we have seen. Like it's, it's, ridiculous to think that if he plays enough games to get a hundred targets that his efficiency is going to drop so significantly in an offense that has other weapons there too yeah last last year like low key was his um was the the highest yards per target of his career 11.3 he was 10.9 and 16 the year with shanahan 10.1 as a rookie mm -hmm. so that was certainly a, a difference 
um, you know, very much a difference uh, sort of in intact there. Yeah, I mean, um, his, his career is 9.8, right? Like he goes over 100 targets. Like this dude is getting, and and, and I'll, add, I'll add one more fucking thing, Eric, because I, I love the fact that we're talking about this. What did Julio Brown say? He said, I want a guy that can throw the deep ball. You think he's not going to remember that? Like he is going to want to go out and prove, hey, I said I wanted a guy to go through with the deep ball. I believe that's Ryan Tannehill. And I'm going to go make these, these catches, right? Like I, I think there's there's going to be so much juice for Julio to, to go perform. So it's 1,000 and a half, minus 112 both sides on DraftKings. Um, you can go to pff.com and check out all of the projections that we have for the players based on their projected workload and their efficiency um, and all of that. And, and you can see where that compares, obviously, to this number. Um, but I like that one quite quite a bit. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think that one's a good one. I'm glad that they hung that up there. Our projections are over a thousand for him. Uh, I think people believe that's kind of low, actually, um, which, which is, sort of shows you where people's heads at. George, what do you think about this one? This one I kind of like a lot. Jonathan Taylor, twelve fifty and a half. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor. You know, we got. I don't think we got as many like, "Hey, uh, quit your job. You should be fired." Uh, tweets. Um, about our running back rankings. Um, but uh, there were some people who thought Jonathan Taylor deserved a spot in the top five. He was in neither of ours. Um, what do you think about that one with Carson Wentz, the, uh, you know, the, the new man in, uh, in the Indianapolis? So I think this one's really interesting because the Jonathan Taylor love, there is a lot of it. And by the way, there are like people partying outside <laughs> right now, which... It's like amazing. It's a, it's a work night. Okay. Can we please get our act together? Um, and the Jonathan Taylor love and fantasy, it, it, there's a, you can, you know why it is. He's a young back. He's explosive. He's got a great offensive line, all those things. But I am of the mind that these teams are thinking about it from another perspective, which is we need this guy to be strong in the playoffs. We need this guy to be, strong next year i don't think that frank reich is going to run jonathan taylor into the ground i just don't see it and that offensive line is good enough to create a hole for me to run through so i look at 1250 and a half and i go okay saquon barkley is lower than that um christian mccaffrey is lower than that fat zeke is lower than that nick chubb is only 50 yards above that nick chubb a better running back than Jonathan Taylor. Um, to me, that is a little rich. I would take the under on Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, our projections say about 1,100 yards, 1,181 yards. Here's here's the thing that I think is the leak if you like Taylor's over. Marlon Mack's a 1,000-yard back, and they, they kept him around. Naheem Hines, obviously, I thought was very good a season ago when he got on the field, but we have – uh, as far as taking, you know, stuff away, you know, we have Marlon Mack about 200 yards rushing. We have Naheem Hines in that 350 range. Um, you also have, you know, if Carson Wentz is terrible, you might not even get, uh, you know, you might not even get into a situation where he, you know, uh, there's any value to be had there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like under there. That's why I sort of brought it up. It's, it's interesting. So you look at some of the different props that are up for running backs um, from a rushing yards perspective. And we talked about this with, with quarterbacks. We got into it. But, like, you go, okay, there's an extra game. How does this impact running backs? Are you really expecting running backs to get that many more, you know, carries, like a full game's worth more of carries? In, in, a, in a league where, you know, injuries are so, so prevalent, where they are taking a beating and yes, they have more opportunities to play more, but they also have more opportunities to get injured, you know, whereas yeah. you look at like a, a quarterback and it's like injuries for quarterbacks don't happen that frequently. So yes, there are more opportunities, but the rate at which that could happen is so much lower. So um, I, I think it's, it may be something for people to consider as they're betting season-long props you look at these um i mentioned 
all the ones I just mentioned. Plus there's like Dalvin Cook at 13, uh, 50.5. Um, now Dalvin Cook, tremendous runner. Dalvin Cook, if you're expecting him to get like a full game's worth more of carries because there's an extra game in the season, like what? <laughs> Come yeah, on. Good luck. <laughs> you know, so it's like I, I, I do think – I think I would legitimately bet under blindly on most of, of the rushing props. I think one that is a real challenge for me, the one that I would, I would go over pretty quickly is McCaffrey – at 1,025 and a half. What do you think there? Yeah, that was one I, I think that uh, we both liked the other day. That oh, did we one, talk about that one on Sunday? Well, I briefly talked about it. I think, I think it's good, much. though, because I think it's one of those where he's never really gone over that um, on a consistent basis. He's coming off of an injury. Mm-hmm. That team's not going to be very good. But I think that they're, the team's not going to be very good in a way that they're going to try to incorporate McCaffrey in there. Um, at, at, you know, in, in a, in a very, you know, meaningful way. Um, Matt rule is not like a running backs don't matter guy. So like, I do think it's going to be a pretty like hefty workload for him and he's good. So he'll, he'll get over that. If he has the workload, the thing you bring up the injury stuff, I, I, uh, on the ringer NFL show, they both, they asked us about like, do we think, there are going to be guys just like sitting and taking load management. I think it's yes for every position, but QB. Um, and, and that will impact all of these non receiving or sorry, non passing props. Like, you know, it's going to take a lot for me to bet an over on a receiver, for example, or over on a rusher. By the way, the, the party outside is raging. I think it has something to do with the Clippers Suns game. I don't know. I know there's nine tenths of a second left right now. And the Suns are inbounding the ball. So I'm like kind of hoping that there's a buzzer beater and that the poor hapless Clippers go down 0-2 again. Um, but I'm not uh, sure. I'm, I'm watching. It's on right now. Okay, the, the ball's about to be inbounded. Oh, my God. They scored. <laughs> and Holy so do we, do we decide if they're Clippers fans or not? Or are they Clippers fans? I think they – I it sounded like they were Suns fans because if you lost because – DeAndre Ayton got a put-back dunk, or not put-back dunk, but like an alley-oop out of an inbounds play. And they basically – so everyone listening to this knows this play by now, but I'm explaining to you live, and I'll see if I do a good job. They threw an inbounds pass as if it was a shot, right, so that it was like right in the cylinder, which you're allowed to do on an inbounds pass, but people don't realize that, so they never do it because you can't have goaltending on an inbounds pass. And so um, – I think it's going to count and that's brilliant. And it's great for Monty Williams, who's the coach of the Suns and fuck the Clippers. Incredible. Uh, Well, NBA top shot is, uh, is tweeting out some, uh, they still exist. That, that, that was the point. It was like, Uh, Oh, it was actually, uh, I don't know whether I should talk about this in recommendations or not, but I was listening to a Whitney Cummings podcast and she was like, no one's watching this. What is, where is it going? Quibby? And I, I, it was honestly like a, a couple months old podcast. And I, I like stopped driving the car and like started crying laughing. Um, By the way, was, we, we have a new, um, uh, a new intern on our pod. Intern Jeremy is here and he may not be familiar. I don't know if he's been a part of the, the Quibi shows, you know, so we may have to bring that back. I don't know if I can do it on the fly. I think I need prep for it, but um, we we could do that in the off season. Okay. What if um, what if we did NBA Top Shot that ooh. take? So like if you and I had takes, yeah. Like I feel like there's there's something there there. Um, but but they're only like actually shitty takes that no one's going to want to buy and be they're going to be completely worthless at some point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Hey, um, let's actually like leverage the sun's energy uh to like build these but then like let's make them worth nothing okay um let's do let's do a few uh passing props that we didn't talk about um because there's some interesting ones with uh like rookies for example so zach wilson um is 38.50.5 on been pretty um, steady too which is good yeah on uh on DraftKings. um now, this is another situation, in my opinion, where it's like the 
the, the Jets are getting a new offensive coordinator who doesn't suck. They are getting a new coach who doesn't suck. Um, they've got, you know, not a ton of talent. They're getting <laughs> a new quarterback who has a who has yeah, who has an arm and like 38-50 over the course of 17 games for a team that's probably going to be an underdog in like what 14 of their games, maybe more. Like that feels that just feels low even without looking at the projections. Yeah, we we have him at 3900 um, yards, 3938.7, 22 touchdowns. Probably a little low, just but like the the supporting cast is way better than what Darnold had, but not amazing. Good mm-hmm. offensive line though. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, Mackay Becton. Let me just put it this way: I like Zach Wilson as a quarterback better than I've liked most quarterbacks that have come out of college, probably since Mahomes. And Mahomes is because he plays for my favorite team. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I I see in the data like. I had to adjust some of the the models we've been building, you know, for, for green line fantasy, like downward a little on, on rookie quarterbacks, because he was like breaking the scale with some of the stuff he was doing last year. So I'm extremely bullish on him. And maybe I don't, you know, with the jets at six minus minus one twenty at win total, like I'm kind of all in there. I I like, I like the jets. And, And if it wasn't for how good the bills are and how, like, I think pointed in the right direction, the dolphins are like, the Jets would be like one of my favorite, like, you know, plays this year. That's a dangerous place to be. I do. I, I feel I, like I, I do agree with you, but um, it's definitely a dangerous place to be. What about here's one that I might be, I might go under on. And this is a team that you talked about um, on the Ringer NFL pod. The Philadelphia Eagles. We, we've talked about them in a couple different ways. Could they have the worst record? Could they have their own pick next year? Yes. Could their coach that they just hired be fired in 12 weeks into the season? Yes. <laughs> um, what does that mean for Jalen Hurts? His passing yards prop is 37.5. Um, you look at what he did last year. So much of what he did was running the football. From an accuracy standpoint, he was the least accurate quarterback throwing the football using our charting location data from the point that he he took over so what he did was not something that was super consistent it was a lot better well a lot it was better than Carson Wentz because he literally wasn't giving the ball to the other team at every turn and could run but I I am I am a little hesitant like I could see the rushing numbers being there I could see him from a fantasy perspective being there but I could also see this just absolutely being atrocious for the Eagles. Yeah, we have him at 35, 6, 7, uh, 35, 67. I, I mean, that supports an under. I think the tail risk is humongous here. He runs the ball. Like, he could get injured, right? Um, they could want to see what they have. I mean, although they just cut Jamie Newman. What did they – they went with uh, Nick Mullins, your guy, though, as the number three guy they just signed. Flacco's obviously famous, yeah. Falcons, uh, uh, Joe Flacco's in the uh, fold. Um, obviously, that that's like the one thing that I that I that I worry a little bit about, which is the backup quarterback. I guess Mullins is okay as a backup for sure, but Flacco isn't some guy who's like, okay, you know, you stink. Like, let's let's get somebody else and let's see what he can do. There's no see what he can do with uh, with Flacco, which I think is the one leak in the under here. But they might just be so bad throwing the football that this is like a Cam Newton type of like, where Cam throws for like 2,000 yards and 14 yeah. starts or something. And, and it's just like, you can't, you, you just can't win with that. Because I you, you go like, okay, well, Devontae Smith is great. Yeah, we think he's going to be pretty good, but there's a chance that in year one, he's not Justin Jefferson. Maybe he's not Henry Ruggs, but like, He's not, you know, carrying your team to victory mm-hmm. on his back. And then you look past that and you go, it's pretty bleak after that point from a pass catching standpoint. So um, that, that I think would be the one that I would go under on. Um, any others that bear talking about, we've got, I'll just list some out. And you can stop me. Kirk Cousins is 4,100 and a half yards. Carson Wentz is 3750.5. 
by the way, I really liked this stat that I found this morning. I found, I looked up this morning. Ben Simmons hit 34% of his free throws in the playoffs. Yeah. And Carson Wentz hit 33% of his deep throws in the NFL last year. Um, that ranked 25th. So uh, it's just, it's a rough spot for Philly, honestly. I actually um, like that Cousins over, by the way, 4,100. That's that's essentially assuming that the Kubiakian offense translates from father to son mm-hmm. um, and they run the football a lot. And, and there is a, a path where, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't return and the Vikings are run first team and, and they, you know, and, and Kirk is neutered a little bit and he doesn't throw for that many yards. Um, but as we talked about on the last show, like I think Dalvin Cook, like health is always a concern there um defense you know everybody is crowning that defense I don't think it's gotten that much I think it's gotten better for sure but I don't think it's an elite defense uh we make it more like 4,300 yards I think that's probably more fair for Kirk so if you're if you're inclined to to only listen to me when I like the Vikings uh give Kirk an over bet there by the way I think it is a little egregious that Trevor Lawrence is at 4150 and Zach Wilson is at 37. So 300 yards is Tebow? Or 3850. So did that, they like, ever tell you when you were a kid, George, you got to leave space for the Holy Ghost between yes. you and the girl you're sitting next to? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like with these props, you have to leave space between Zach Wilson and, and Trevor Lawrence for the, the Holy Ghost or Tim Tebow. Um, and that's what those 300 yards are. I, I, there's nothing more I can say about that. Uh, Joe Burrow. 42, 50 and a half. This is an interesting one because Burrow, I mean, Burrow was on pace to just, I forget what his total number was going to be, but he was going to crush the rookie record. Um, We have him at 45, 37. I could see a huge reversion to the Bengals in terms of like, oh, we can't, we got to protect him. We got to run the ball. But also, like, it's Joe freaking Burrow. Like, he's not going to let that happen. They also just drafted Jamar freaking Chase, um, and they suck. <laughs> so I think it's definitely – they're definitely going to try and keep him from getting hurt again. You might see more quick throws in that. But Joe Burrow's accurate. And, like, I don't think that hurts his yardage total at all. He also, last year, was horrible throwing the deep ball. That is something that we know is noisy um, season to season. I like Joe Burrow over 4250. Yeah. Yeah. That one, it looks like he's going to crush it. Plus that division, um, at least two good teams in that division. So they'll have to throw a lot in those games. I also think the defense for the Bengals, you remember that when the Bengals played the Ravens and absolutely got pounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Ravens are not quite that good defensively anymore. I think the Browns are still beatable defensively. And and the the Bengals are you know stockpiling players. Riley Reef was actually really good last season. I don't understand why people believe that he's such a bum. Um, you know Jonah Williams, top fifteen pick. Uh, you know, and, and obviously the players they have coming out of the backfield there. I, I think it, yeah, I think Burrow's gonna have a great season if he stays healthy. Um, will that be enough for the Bengals to go over the win total? I don't know, but I I do think he's somebody to buy uh, in the betting markets and fantasy. Any other props that uh, we want to discuss here that have moved at all or that are interesting? Again, the Daniel Jones one has stayed pats. Um, the, uh, we did talk um, about the Lamar Jackson one that has moved its price, uh, I think, since the last time we talked about it. So those ones, uh, overs, I think, are, are, are good. Um, the Mayfield one, I think you talked about on um, both the last podcast. Mm-hmm. That one's another one where – you got to think the Browns are smart. You got to Baker's been healthy. That's the other thing. Baker's been extremely healthy. I, he protects himself, I think, really well, despite not necessarily handling pressure the best over the first three years. Uh, handles pressure better. They throw more because, um, you know, there, there might be an issue with uh, uh, Nick Chubbs. You know, they might want to diminish him contract-wise and, and, you know, see what they have in Mayfield. I think that leads to a 4,000-yard season for Baker. Yeah. All in on that one. That was one of my favorite favorite props. Um, I've been looking at the coach of the year props and um, trying to figure out what's one that that I would want to bet. And 
you know, you think about overcome it, like beating expectation with your team, you know, who's going to be a surprise team. Um, and I hate, you know, betting anything other than a lot than, than long shots in these. So there are kind of a couple that, that come to mind. I'm, I'm just kind of curious your take on some of these. Um, Big Fangio is 22 to one. Um, if, if that, that team is good, in my opinion, it is not because of the quarterback. It is because of the defense. And that if there's a guy with a defense who deserves some credit that probably hasn't gotten enough, it's Vic Fangio. I feel like the voters will think about that. Um, and, and they can go over their win total. If they have one game where they like look good against Mahomes, like I think that can really help um, vault them in that conversation as well. Um, and then the other one that comes to mind for me at 40 to one, a super long shot is Zach Taylor with the Bengals where look, they have super low expectations. The Steelers stink. Um, Joe Burrow's coming back. They get Jamar chase. Like the offensive line isn't as bad as people think. And let's say they beat, you know, the Ravens or the Browns, you know, like that, that to me could be one that maybe, um, sneaks in there if they end up getting you know eight nine wins sneak in the playoffs something like that i have two that i like i like joe judge at 25 to one and i mm. like mike zimmer at 25 to one like i also like zimmer to be the first coach fired like that's that's the spread of outcomes i can see with the vikings um both of those guys are football guys and both of those guys are coaching t- teams that are quietly better than they were last year of course Mm -hmm. maybe not so quiet in the case of minnesota but like that will improve over a season ago um i think judge especially like i mean if daniel jones emerges what if daniel jones has a third of the leap uh, of josh allen from season two to season three they're a nine win team and like that's enough i feel like especially in a big market like new york to get to get him over the top He's a football guy, right? People like to root for football guys. And I don't know, man. I, I think that that's a, I think that one's a good one. Love, um, love that one. I'm jealous. I have pick envy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other one that's, that could be, this sounds really stupid. Um, the long shot that I like is John Gruden at 41. I, I, I knew it. I've seen that 50 DraftKings, by the way. They have really low. They have really low expectations. Like their their win total seven in a seventeen game mm-hmm. season after averaging seven and a half in a sixteen game season the last two years, yeah. um, and I know why. But like, did their defense get appreciably worse? No, they couldn't get any worse, right? So mm-hmm. um, you get a little bounce back there. Uh, Car's good. Obviously, the receiving core isn't great, but you get a jump from you know from Henry Ruggs, and obviously, um, you know, you have Kenyon Drake in the fold, who I think that they'll use well um you know what if they win nine ten games yeah i that's a that's a really good one uh and, and it's another one where um the you think about this as a narrative thing the narrative for john people will construct the narrative for john gruden now the reason i didn't say john gruden eric is that every year every single year there's a point in the season where i go John Gruden, coach of the year. Raiders <laughs> are making the playoffs. I'm and telling then, you, it happens, and then shit goes wrong. So Greg Williams won. tried to resuscitate it this year, by the way. Um, and he, if he couldn't, then the yeah, only yeah. person that could bring him back is Doc Rivers. Yes, yes, unfortunately. I saw someone tweet out that Doc Rivers could bring Tupac back. So many teams have come back. Doc back. Rivers could make, you know, turn – Point five, it can make five, you know, point one seconds look like five loaves and two fishes. If he's the coaching Bible, the defense, the Bible references uh, is what you came for. Um, all right, let's do some recommendations and get out of here. What do you say about that? Wednesday, I like it. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Um, I will give you the floor. Hopefully, your recommendations are around how to beautify your setup because, man. Yeah, the 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 camera, the Lodge. I also, I mean, I have I have the the uh, the IFB as well. Yeah, um, incredible. Uh, okay, so I recently, you know, came back to Cincinnati. It's a long drive. I like to listen to comedy. Um, I I I listened to this old documentary called "Give It Up for Greg Giraldo," 
And I thought it was like a really cool, like look into his life. He was hilarious, um, very smart, um, you know, was one of the first, like, you know, was probably like the roast, the best roaster until, you know, he, he until he passed. Um, and I got to say like the 10 minute roast that he does of like, Larry the cable guy and then like everybody else on that stage is probably the funniest 10 minutes of comedy I've ever seen. So like <laughs> that that is um that's my recommendation. Honestly, there's like coronavirus was like that was like one thing I like leaned into during coronavirus and it, I thought it was like life saving was just like watching comedy and I thought like you know there's a bunch of people who are really good obviously. Um, and, and Geraldo certainly like preceded a lot of them. Uh, but that was a, that was a good one. I had never even heard of them, uh, honestly, until you told me about this. So, um, the, the Larry, the cable guy roast is the funniest thing. I honestly, I, it's so funny and, um, and it very, uh, yeah, just, and I, I don't know if they could do it anymore, to be honest with you, which is, which is maybe a sign of the times, but. I might actually pivot uh, my recommendation here. Um, I guess I, maybe I will because you brought up comedy and um, I have not given a lot of like, go watch this, go listen to this recommendations here. Um, but if I had to pick one comedian and one special to watch, it would be Anthony Jeselnik. Um, now I'm assuming a lot of the people on this podcast that listen to this podcast have probably, probably know who that is have probably listened to him. But if you haven't, this recommendation is for you. You're welcome. Um, as a like precursor, um, his comedy is going to be, um, <laughs> I don't know, startling. Um, but it's really fucking funny. And what I love about Anthony Jeselnik is like, I know when I go watch a comedy special from like an average person, an average comedian, you know, like the genre of like 90% of their jokes, right? It's going to be like family, how much they themselves like suck in certain situations, how futile their love life is, some joke about their kids, all that shit. And this will not be that. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, Anthony's honestly, the reason I said Greg was the best roaster prior to his death because i think anthony's probably the best roaster of all time uh yeah. which his roast of trump sheen the roseanne one was 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 different but the the roast of charlie sheen is also like i would put that in in like uh in a category as well as the roast of trump uh in like the in the same category as greg geraldo for sure those are the recommendations. I did not recommend something that costs you $200. That's a win. I did not recommend something to eat. Also a win. I'm diversifying. You're rubbing you off. You know, maybe, maybe next episode, I'll actually look uh, like I'm a, a half decent, you know, human being. That was our show. Thank you guys for hanging out. We appreciate all of you. We love you all. We'll see you on Sunday. Peace. Yeah.